Have you gotten a COVID-19 vaccination yet? If not, do you plan to do so? What is safe to do once you are fully vaccinated? We're close to halfway there for the numbers of Alaskans who are. If you're not one of them, what hesitations do you have about the vaccine? We've got the state's top medical experts on hand to answer your questions about why getting vaccinated is good for you, your family, and your community. We'll also discuss what changes when more people are protected. Today on Talk of Alaska. Funding for Talk of Alaska was made possible in part by the Alaska Middle Health Trust Authority and listeners just like you. Thank you. And by... ConocoPhillips, investing in oil exploration and production and working to create economic opportunities for Alaskans. ConocoPhillips, unlocking Alaska's energy resources. Alaska USA has been on a journey with Alaskans since their first member account was opened in 1948. They'll be with you every step of the way through the challenges of today and the hopes of tomorrow. AlaskaUSA.org. This message sponsored by Alaska USA. The views expressed on this program are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Hello, it's Talk of Alaska. I'm Lori Townsend. For a while, Alaska was leading the nation in vaccination rates. That's thanks in part to tribal health organizations who helped distribute shots around the state. But we've since dropped back in the national ranking of states with the highest number of vaccinations. So what's the plan to get the momentum back up and more Alaskans vaccinated? Here to help us understand why it's critical to keep getting shots in arms is Alaska's chief medical officer, Dr. Ann Zink. Hello, Dr. Zink. Good morning, Laura. It's great to be here. Thanks for being on. Also with us is Dr. Joe McLaughlin, the head of epidemiology for Alaska. Welcome, Dr. McLaughlin. Oh, hi, Lori. Good morning. All right. So good to have you both with us. And we'll also be joined later in the program by some younger Alaskans who are uh, can tell us about their vaccination experience now that the vaccinations are open to younger people. You can also join us. Do you want a vaccine but haven't had access to one yet? Are you hesitant and have questions for the medical experts we have on today? Are you unable to get the vaccine because of compromised health but want others to do so to help keep you safe? Or are you vaccinated and have a happy story about what you've been able to do again? Give us a call statewide 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. Well, I know that uh, it's been great uh, since I have been fully vaccinated just um, and have been for a while now, but just last week was the first time I went to a restaurant and sat down inside with friends, and it was kind of a, it almost felt exotic and uh, was just uh, really a pleasant thing. So uh, Dr. Zink and Dr. McLaughlin, let's start with the good news. Tell us where the numbers are currently for the percent of Alaskans who are fully vaccinated. Yeah, so really great question. We're actually updating our dashboard today. So um, I'm going to see if they could resend us the numbers, but we were just over 52% of those uh, 16 and above had received at least one dose. As many Alaskans know, this has moved down to the 12 and above age group. So we were doing a bunch of processing through this weekend uh, and are going to be updating those uh, numbers here shortly. 
One thing to just mention on the statewide numbers, that includes the VA and DOD numbers uh, because they are doing some separate vaccination efforts and those are not reflected in the region and they're not always reflected in the CDC dashboard. So there's a bunch of different ways to count it, um, but the, the main vaccine dashboard from covivax.alaska.gov is the main place to go and we're just over 52%. That's fantastic. We're over the halfway mark. Yay. So can, do you have an idea of how many per day are getting vaccinated and, and how that might compare to a month ago? It's a really great question. Um, I heard a great line this morning that said, uh, you know, as we climb this hill, it gets steeper with each step. Uh, and it truly true, it seems true. You know, at the beginning, uh, the big limitation was the amount of vaccine that we had in the state, but a lot of people were eager and ready to get vaccinated. It was great to be able to get that out. Uh, but as uh, we continue to move it across the state and try to increase the percent of our population that's vaccinated, it is slowing down and it is taking more work and effort. Alaskans have great questions. We want to make sure that we have transparent, timely information to make the choice uh, for them. And we really uh, feel strongly that these are incredibly safe, incredibly efficacious vaccines. They're the reason that we got vaccinated. It's the reason we are getting our children vaccinated. It's the reason we're encouraging our friends and family to get vaccinated. And we're trying to make sure we're just reducing any barrier uh, for people to get vaccinated, be it misinformation, access. These are free uh, and easily accessible across the state. Well, it, it seems like uh, people could look at it's summertime and case counts have dropped in many areas and there could be this sort of sigh of relief. But as we know, there are areas that are still definitely struggling. Ketchikan and Metlakatla are struggling with COVID cases right now. KRBD reports that Metlakatla has nearly three times the number of, of cases since May 10th than were reported before that date, and a second death tied to COVID in the community. And in Ketchikan, city leaders are trying to figure out how to slow the spread of COVID or face losing out on cruise ships if case numbers stay high. What can you tell us about the medical response that's happening in those communities right now? It's a great question, and uh, we actually just got off a meeting uh, with Ketchikan. As you mentioned, we continue to see kind of surges and outbreaks, particularly when we don't have super high vaccine rates. Uh, we saw this initially in Petersburg, we saw it in Fairbanks, uh, and unfortunately we are seeing it down now in Ketchikan and Metlakatla. Vaccines are our ticket out of this pandemic, and that is the reason we want to do everything we can to encourage people to get vaccinated, even if you've previously had COVID-19. You have better and longer-lasting protection when you are vaccinated than even natural infection. So we are continuing to support them, uh, be it to making sure vaccines are widely available, making sure that they've got testing, making sure that people have the tools and resources uh, that they need uh, to be able to slow this down. It's just heartbreaking uh, to see people uh, still get so sick uh, from this disease. Uh, again, many people do very well, but some people do really get quite sick and quite ill. You know, the vast majority, greater than 98% of our, you know, hospitalizations are all people who are unvaccinated, uh, which tends to be a younger population, tends to be a healthier population. Um, but that doesn't mean that our younger folks are not completely immune. Uh, and that's why we really encourage vaccination across the board. So continue to support them in whatever ways we can uh, as they kind of work through this surge of cases. And as we all prepare for uh, a really fun and productive summer, um, we would love to see these cases continue to decrease. It's great to see where they're at. Um, but we know that we don't want to see a surge uh, across the state or this fall. So that's why we're really encouraging vaccination. Well, and I like Lord, this. Sure. Go Lord, ahead, Dr. McLaughlin. Uh, this is Joe McLaughlin. Yeah, I was just going to add, you know, as Ann mentioned, we did just get off uh, a leadership call with uh, community members in Ketchikan. And, 
you know, they're really looking at ways to increase vaccination coverage rates. They, I think they understand that that is our way out of this pandemic. And any community that has low vaccination coverage is going to be vulnerable and susceptible to outbreaks. And so that's the big message we're really trying to get across is uh, the higher the vaccination coverage rates are in various communities throughout Alaska, the lower the risk of big outbreaks from occurring. And remember, when these big outbreaks occur, it really slows down everything in those communities. It slows down the local economy. People have to be in isolation and quarantine, and their people have to be more hunkered down when you've got a large outbreak like that. So I think that's, that's really the big message is uh, if we can get folks vaccinated, we're going to get this pandemic behind us and prevent these larger outbreaks from occurring in communities. All right. Thank you, Dr. McLaughlin. If you're just joining us, this is Talk of Alaska, and we are talking about the need to keep up the momentum on getting vaccinations against COVID-19. And we'll be talking in just a moment about the state's uh, vaccination campaign, uh, Sleeves Up for Summer campaign. We'll be talking a little about that with Dr. Ann Zink, Alaska's chief medical officer, and Dr. Joe McLaughlin, who is the state's epidemiologist and the head of the Division of Epidemiology. And later in the program, we'll be joined by some young people who can tell us about their vaccination experience. If you have questions, we have the best people on the line with us today to answer those questions. Give us a call statewide at 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. And uh, we will get your call on air and you can ask your question directly of the people best able to give you the facts. So before we talk about the Sleeves Up for Summer campaign, let's hear from one of the people featured in this push for vaccinations. This, this is Alaskan Olympic Nordic skier Rosie Franken- Frankowski. As a cross-country skier, it's a 24-hour job. And then one thing, one exposure of a friend who also was incredibly careful. I tested positive for COVID, no symptoms except maybe a little bit of fatigue, but COVID could have derailed everything. You can't exercise if you have lung damage. All these things that I take for granted could have been impacted. You need to be a community and stand together. You're getting vaccinated for everybody around you. Sleeves up, Alaska. All right, there you heard it. Sleeves up, Alaska. So, um... Many people have probably seen some of these these uh, commercials that the Department of Health and Social Services is promoting, such as the one we just heard. Dr. Zink, tell us about the Sleeves Up for Alaska campaign. What's the goal? Are you setting a percentage to achieve by the end of the summer, or what's the effort here? Yeah, well, we know as Alaskans that summers are fun and filled and lots to do. And so we wanted to do everything we could to encourage communities to uh, put their sleeves up and get vaccinated so that they don't have to quarantine if they get exposed, that we can welcome family and friends, that we can go out to those restaurants, uh, that we can travel and do the work that we need to be able to do this summer uh, for Alaska and Alaska's economy and Alaska's health. So we set a goal for each borough and census area to see if they could increase their vaccine rate by 25% in the month of May. It's a big lift. It's a big challenge for sure to see if they can get that direction. Uh, But really, again, the goal was to see, uh, to partner with communities and see what they could do to move that direction. We're seeing some tremendous progress across the state. You can go up to our Sleeves Up for Summer dashboard and see where we're at. 
Um, and we are seeing communities, you know, reaching 70 to 80% of that goal already uh, and being able to vaccinate. So we're really excited to see what we can kind of pull off in this last uh, bit of the month. We'll continue to have vaccination across the state for the rest of the summer. Uh, but this was really a chance to make sure that we are all able to be protected uh, prior to all the fun work that we need to do and want to do this summer. All right. Thank you for that. And Dr. McLaughlin, uh, maybe you could take this next question. You're also supplying other information about the effects of long COVID and what the vaccine is, how it's made, um, and how it was made so quickly to try to alleviate some of that anxiety. Um, Can you talk a little about this information campaign specifically? Sure. Yeah, I appreciate that question. You know, the big one of the big concerns we have now that uh, is becoming more and more clear as the weeks go on is that people who have had COVID infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection, which is the virus that causes COVID-19, those folks are at risk for what's called post-COVID conditions. And this is sort of an umbrella term. Um, Basically, that represents a wide range of new and returning or even ongoing health problems that people can experience in some cases many months for many months after being infected. And um, initially when we were looking at these post-COVID conditions, we were thinking that it was primarily affecting people who were hospitalized and had more severe infection, ICU stays, things like that. And certainly the incidence is higher among those people. But what we're seeing now is very clear evidence that people who have even mild infection or in in some cases, people who are asymptomatically infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus can wind up developing long-term consequences that in in cases can last up to eight months or longer. Um, So long COVID is one of these post-COVID conditions, and it has a range of symptoms that can as I mentioned, last weeks to months after first being infected with the virus, and they include fatigue, difficulty thinking or concentrating, sometimes they call that brain fog, headaches, loss of smell or taste, dizziness, uh, especially when you stand up, uh, fast beating or a pounding heart, chest pain, difficulty breathing, cough, joint and muscle pains, depression or anxiety, fever, and symptoms uh, that get worse after physical or mental activities. So those are just some of the symptoms that people who have long COVID relay having. And again, for some people, these symptoms only last a couple few weeks after they're basically, um, they've gotten out of the acute phase of COVID. But for many people, they can last many months. Uh, And there was a recent report that came out Um, in this last month showing that many people have had effects that can go even six to eight months out. And do you feel like there that you sort of have a handle on this? I mean, it's an immensely wide range of carry on effects, clearly. But do you feel like there's quite a bit now understood about that? Or do you anticipate that you're still going to be learning of other things that may be associated with COVID in the coming months and maybe years. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Definitely the latter. I mean, every week I go through a a big journal review for healthcare providers in Alaska. I do that on Thursdays at noon. And, And I review all the literature that's come out in some of the highest medical, highest tier medical journals like the New England Journal of Medicine and JAMA and The Lancet. 
and every week there are new articles coming out on these long-term effects of COVID. And uh, just recently there was one article that came out that suggested, that indicated that men who are under 50 who have had asymptomatic infection may be at increased risk for stroke because of their SARS-CoV-2 infection. These are people who didn't have any symptoms at all. They were just silently infected. And this was a study that actually came out of Singapore showing that um, that this is a potential concern. So I think we are going to be seeing more and more evidence and articles and, and scientific research on long COVID in the, in the weeks and months ahead. And we're going to continue to learn more and more about, unfortunately, these, these longer-term consequences of COVID infection. Now, the, the really good news, Lori, is that if you don't get SARS-CoV-2 infection, you're not going to get long COVID. You're not going to get long-term effects because you're not getting infected with the virus. And by far and away, without any exceptions, <laughs> the best way to prevent getting long COVID and getting COVID infection or SARS-CoV-2 infection is to get vaccinated. We know that the three vaccines that have emergency use authorization in the United States right now are all highly effective at preventing not only serious COVID disease like hospitalization and death, they're also very, very effective. You know, with the mRNAs, they're over 94, 95% effective at preventing COVID infection. Um, uh, or COVID illness, I should say, and then uh, over 90% effective at actually preventing SARS-CoV-2 infection. And the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is a little lower uh, vaccine efficacy on preventing SARS-CoV-2 infection and mild COVID, but still very high, uh, highly protective against um, hospitalization and death. So all three of these vaccines are excellent. And uh, really, again, if you don't get COVID infection, SARS-CoV-2 infection, you're not going to get long-term consequences. Absolutely. So get that shot. We have Dr. Ann Zink, Alaska's chief medical officer, and Dr. Joe McLaughlin, our state epidemiologist and head of the Division of Epidemiology on the line with us today as we're talking about the push to get more Alaskans vaccinated this summer. If you have questions, this is the time to call. We have the experts on the line with us. 1-800-478-8255 is the number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. 8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422, 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. And we're going to get to some of those emails in just a moment, but I want to hear, let's hear another clip from the Sleeves Up for Summer campaign. This is Pastor Cleveland Bartley of True Victory Baptist Church in North Pole. It took a lot out of me. Uh, having COVID and then underlying condition, I'm type two diabetic, and it just it just was a bad thing for me, and all those all those things worked against me. But the doctors were very very good, and they they uh, took care of me and got me back to the point where I could come home. For people who don't think this is a very serious disease. I'm telling you, from my own experience, it can take you out. That was my prayer, that they would discover a vaccine for it. But yeah, I'm thankful that it's here. And I hope people will be serious about getting the shot.
An excellent testimonial there by Pastor uh, Cleveland Bartley of the True Victory Baptist Church in North Pole. Dr. Zink, does it seem like the information campaign should have started much earlier before the vaccines were ready, perhaps? Or or was it just the resistance to that we've seen? Was that just not anticipated? No, I mean, I think we always want to make sure that we have data-driven and transparent, honest information, be it uh, information that you're hearing here or other places. You know, we did not have the data from these vaccines until very close to the point that they were being rolled out. For example, we didn't know if they would work as well in older people. We didn't know how efficacious they would be. And I think one for me personally, one of the big uh, great reliefs in this pandemic has been having such effective vaccines. You know, something like the flu vaccine is somewhere between 40 to 60 percent efficacious, still saves thousands of lives every year. Uh, However, these are much better. They last longer and they do a better job at protecting you. And that was just absolutely fantastic to see. I mean, these are some of the best vaccines uh, that we have uh, out for any sort of disease. And so as soon as we started to see the data and information, we shared it. And as we have now seen hundreds of millions of people be vaccinated, we have even more data and information and we continue to share it. When I get asked things like, you know, would you vaccinate a kindergartner? Well, we don't have the data on that yet. So we need the data. And then as soon as we have it, we want to make sure that Alaskans have it. So we really started the messaging campaign as soon as we had the data that was uh, really helping to share how safe and efficacious these vaccines are. Absolutely. Makes sense. Uh, I want to go to the email here for just a moment. This is from Mark, who says, I would like to ask the doctors if there is any plan by Alaska to incentivize vaccines like Ohio, who has a lottery type uh, situation, I guess, with some money and other states, he says, are giving away free stuff. Uh, Mark says, I'm thinking about the Valley and Kenai who are lower on vaccine rates. It might work. Um, And he says, I don't think providers have um, discussed the science and information isn't changing their view. So this is actually from Kathy, I guess. But um, Kathy is wondering about if there's any other incentives that are being planned. Yes, that's a really great question. We are partnering with chambers to be able to get incentives out. We're also partnering with local communities, uh, and there have been a lot of incentives. So, like, just for example, this weekend, there was a vaccination clinic at a gun show, and there was a drawing for a gun safe associated with that. Uh, There has been financial ones. There's been Eastern Aleutian had this great one with uh, crab and uh, different trips that have been available. Uh, Anchorage has had a whole series of them. I saw last night that... um, Tooth Pizza was doing a vaccine kind of incentive. So we have been working with communities to have them uh, be able to have financial resources to being able to do incentives and to make them easy. I know Alyeska did, you know, a free uh, ticket if you got vaccinated there and they had a big turnout there. It sounds like it was a very sunny, very Alaskan day with people headed out to the uh, surf the vortide right afterwards. Uh, so just fun Alaskan events across the board. Um, and we continue to look at the remaining dollars, look at what other ways we can incentivize. Uh, and, and again, just trying to make it easily accessible. We're not here to coerce. We're here to provide information resources, to make it easy, fun, and accessible. All right. We have another uh, question here. This is from Chuck in Wasilla, who said, yesterday he walked out of the Wasilla Fred Meyer store. Three middle-aged men were going in and remarked on my wearing a mask. Others leaving at the same time as me also wore masks. And three men, quite loudly, as to be clearly heard, said, don't people realize that mask wearing is over? And Chuck says, I was nearly out the door, so I didn't stop to engage. But in that one instant incident, 
he feels like it illustrates what we're up against. He says the CDC has bungled this entire epidemic and the latest advisory about mask wearing is proof of just how badly they have. Most people hear the announcement that you don't need to wear a mask without hearing the if you're fully vaccinated part. That puts the onus on store owners and and we who are careful about following good practices. No, Chuck says the mask mandate has not gone away. It only has for those who are fully vaccinated. And he says, I'll bet dollars to donuts that those three individuals are among those who steadfastly refuse to get vaccinated. They'll let us do that for them. What would you say to someone like Chuck, who is frustrated by the CDC's changing guidelines at this point? Uh, do you feel like it would have been better to wait until, you know, we're at like 39 percent across the nation? Would it have been better to wait until we're well over the 50 percent mark? Yeah, no, I'm happy to start. And Dr. Goldmogloff, and I'm sure we've been talking a lot about masks here recently. Um, you know, I think that their change really reflected the fact on how well vaccines work at not only protecting you, if you are exposed to someone else who doesn't have their mask on, isn't vaccinated, has COVID. I mean, they're so good at protecting you that you don't need to quarantine, even if you're a close contact to someone who has SARS-CoV-2, which is fantastic. Um, it also reduces your ability to transmit it to others. And therefore, it kind of I think of it kind of like an invisible mask. It helps you so you don't transmit it to others in the same sort of way. And therefore, um, you know, this, this data and this change really reflected on how great the vaccines are working and just encourage people to get vaccinated. It sounds like he is. Um, and I think we just all need space and grace uh, for each other. This has been a long pandemic. It has been different for different people. People have had really different experiences. Um, and we'll get there, um, and we'll get there together. But the more that we can just make sure that we are doing it together, it's what Alaskans have been doing since the beginning of this pandemic, um, and we really appreciate everything that Alaskans have been doing so far. But Dr. McLaughlin? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, I agree, and with what you just said, and, uh, you know, I think this has been a really big challenge for CDC is really knowing how and when to uh, implement new guidance uh, this guidance that they put out on the masking, it you know I think CDC even admitted uh, has admitted in some calls that uh, it was it was a bit abrupt and they could have done a better job with communicating, um, especially to state and local health departments um, because we weren't aware of the change until it actually happened that day. Um, but as Dr. Zink just mentioned, it really the goal of um, the CDC guidance in, in, in part was to really instill confidence in these vaccines. As the days and weeks have gone on since these vaccines have become authorized, we've learned more and more about how, just how effective they are. And through real world epidemiologic studies, not just vaccine clinical trials, but actually looking at people who are vaccinated in real world scenarios, the uh, clinical trial data have held up. And in other words, the vaccines have been shown to be highly effective at preventing not only COVID disease, but also uh, asymptomatic COVID infection. And they're also very, very safe. And so CDC really wanted to, I think, instill uh, or demonstrate that um, these vaccines are so effective that you really don't need to mask. Now, there are some um, unintended consequences of that guidance for sure, and that one of the big unintended consequences is people who <clears throat> are not vaccinated may feel more emboldened to 
um, go around without masks uh, in public spaces and spaces where there is a high risk of transmission. And unfortunately, uh, some of these people are going to become infected with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And as Dr. Zink uh, frequently uh, shares, you know, she's an emergency department physician, still active and still is seeing a lot of people who are coming into the emergency department with serious uh, COVID uh, infection requiring hospitalization and sometimes these people die and what we found with our data is that uh, 90 over 98 percent of the hospitalizations that have occurred in alaska since the beginning of this year have been in unvaccinated people mm-hmm. let's quickly go to the phones before we have to take a break at 10 30 and then after 10 30 we're going to hear from a couple of young people about uh, their vaccination experience but let's go to susan in bethel hi susan Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, that that is so true. The fatalities and the hospitalizations we're having now, people that could have gotten vaccinated and didn't and get checked into the hospital saying to themselves, well, I was thinking about it. Well, thinking about it doesn't protect you, and it's sad. And And it should be a choice to get vaccinated. I do believe in that. I'm just disappointed that more people are not making that choice. I think family and friends are very instrumental in convincing people to get the vaccine, um, have that dialogue, try to prevent it from turning into an argument, otherwise they'll dig their heels. But just have that dialogue. Ask people, are you vaccinated? Um, offer to help. Um, now that the younger people can get vaccinated, the parents that were hesitant, do it as a family and then go out for pizza afterwards because you'll feel that relief and want to celebrate you know, the research and news about the development of this vaccine has been so transparent and open more than any other shots we take, you know. And, uh, you know, there's more side effects from the COVID vaccine, vac- virus itself. There's more side effects from the virus and the chances of getting long haul, more chances of that than this shot ever will. As far as side effects, most yeah. meds we take warn us of side effects. That's just the way you see a medicine commercial on TV or in a magazine. Most of the dialogue is about side effects. That's just how meds are introduced, but that doesn't mean you're going to get those. That's just how things are introduced. Absolutely. And, you know, thank you, Susan. We need to take a quick break. I appreciate your backing up our medical experts here with this information. And I did want to say that uh, if a family goes out and get vaccinated, make sure that you wait until two weeks after your second vaccine before you go out for that celebratory pizza. But yes, do that as a family once you're completely safe and vaccinated. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue with discussion with the state's top doctors on why it's important for more Alaskans to roll up their sleeves and get vaccinated for COVID-19 as Talk of Alaska continues statewide. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. Prescription opioids can be addictive and dangerous, especially when not used as prescribed. If you or someone you know is struggling with prescription opioids, there is hope. Recovery is possible. To hear real stories of recovery or for resources to begin the journey to healing, visit opioids.alaska.gov or contact your local health provider. This message sponsored by Alaska's Department of Health and Social Services and the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium.
Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We are discussing getting summer vaccinations and the state's uh, roll up your sleeves Alaska campaign for trying to convince more folks to get that shot. It's free. It's safe. Um, It's a big relief to be fully vaccinated. I can tell you that. So please pay attention. Listen to the experts. If you have questions, give us a call. We have Alaska's top doctors on with us today, Dr. Ann Zink, Alaska's chief medical officer, and Dr. Joe McLaughlin, the state epidemiologist. You can reach us at 1-800-478-8255. That's the number statewide. 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. Or you can send questions, comments to talk at alaskapublic.org. We're going to bring on someone now who is in that younger category. Grady Cutchins is on the line with us. Hi, Grady. Um, hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. So, Grady, where are you in the process? Are you vaccinated now? Um, I got my first dose. I don't think that anybody... 15 has been able to actually get their second dose yet but sure um i got my first dose probably a week and a half ago or a week ago i can't really remember but it was just about a week ago i'm gonna get my next one pretty soon then i wait a little bit and i'm done absolutely what convinced you uh was it your parents or why did you decide to to get the vaccination so um, at first, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit anti-vax like vax and a little bit anti-like being told what to do. But af- after doing a little bit of research and like, so classically teenage. And, like, actually looking at it and doing the research, I realized that that isn't a really good mindset and it really changed my mind. I'm not the kind of person that does things specifically because I'm told to. But if I think that it's a good idea, then sure, I'll listen. But I'm not going to do it specifically because someone tells me to. I did my research and then I decided, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And and Grady, where did you do your research? Because uh, as we know, and I'm sure you're well aware, there is a sea of misinformation and disinformation, purposeful uh, mis and disinformation online about the vaccine and side effects and what it is and isn't. Where did you find information that you trusted? So I kind of got into it because of my BCA class. And then after figuring out a little bit in my BCA class, I went over to Mayo. And then from Mayo, I went over to the WHO. All right. So you went to vetted sources of information. Good for you. What is the conversation like in your circle of friends and people that you're schoolmates with? Do most say they'll get vaccinated or do you hear a lot of hesitation and resistance? Um, a lot of them say that they'll get vaccinated, but I do realize that there's a problem with um, kind of being rude to anti-vax people will not make them want to do things. And I hear a lot of my friends say, oh, well, anti-vaxxers are stupid. You just don't want to say that to people that you're trying to convince to do something that you want to do. I do have a few that are on the fence, but when I talk to them and try to convince them, they're very nice about it. 
some of them even budged a little bit. But, um, yeah, a lot of my friends are pro-vaccine. Well, that's excellent to hear. And uh, your thinking about being rude is certainly on point because being rude to people never helps. And so I think staying in respectful conversation with everyone to try to change their mind and, and alleviate their concern about it is the best path to go down. Thank you so much, Grady. And good for you that you did uh, good uh, research and decided on your own. Let's bring in another young person who um, is on the vaccination track. Daisy Carter is on the line with us. Hi, Daisy. Hi, how are you? Good. And Daisy, tell us where you're at in this process. How old are you and have you gotten a first vaccination yet? Yeah, I'm actually 20 years old and I am fully vaccinated as of today. Actually, Tuesday. Yeah, because I got it last Tuesday. All right. So so you're a week out from your second shot or two weeks out? Um, a week out from my, or actually two weeks out from my second shot. All right. Good for you. So were you nervous about getting the shot? I'm sure you're aware, as we were talking with Grady about, uh, about the misinformation that's ricocheting around the Internet about the virus and vaccinations. Were you nervous? Yeah. I mean, like everyone, I was pretty nervous and pretty skeptical, but... I just kept thinking about how I want things to get back to normal. I want to be able to see, you know, my family and, you know, not be concerned about, oh, am I going to get the virus? Do I have the virus? So, and, and even if you do get the vaccine, you could still get the virus, but it's a very low chance and you can't really spread it around and hospitalizations are proven to be lower if you get the vaccine. So, um, so yeah, I was just excited to, to kind of, I just kept thinking to myself, you know, that this is all going to blow over. This is all going to be okay if we all get vaccinated. And how about your parents? Uh, are they vaccinated? Uh, or what really helped you decide to to move forward with this? Yeah, my, um, my, yeah, my mom, I think she got her first dose uh, about two weeks, about a week ago. Um, and my, my dad, he worked in the slope, so he has been vaccinated for a while now. All right. Anything that you would, um, before we let you go, anything that you would want to say to folks to help make that pitch uh, about why it's important to get this vaccine? Yeah. I mean, personally, I've just kind of felt this relief and this kind of, I guess, security about, you know, like about not getting the virus and about how you know, we can start finally having a normal life and a normal um, and start getting our economy moving as well. And, you know, there are a lot, not a lot, but there are um, some side effects, obviously, to it after getting the vaccine. But everyone's body is different. Maybe you'll get it a lot. Maybe you'll get some of the symptoms. Um, Maybe you'll get only some of the symptoms. But I think that that's worth you know, going back to a normal economy and going back to a normal, um, I guess, society. So, yeah, get your vaccine and um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Daisy, for coming on and talking about your experience. And congratulations on being fully vaccinated. It's a great feeling. All right. Let's get back to Dr. Zink and Dr. McLaughlin and bring them back in. And remember that you can join us statewide at 1-800-478-8255.
That number again is 1-800-478-8255. If you are in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. You can also email us, talk at alaskapublic.org. We did have a email from Larry saying, I just heard on your program that the vaccine prevents infection. Previously, I heard the vaccine is effective against hospitalization, keeping the deadliest symptoms at bay, but not actually preventing the disease. That is, a person can still get infected, but does not get as sick. When did the effectiveness against actual infection get proven? Um, Dr. McLaughlin, do you want to take that? Sure. Yeah, I can start with that. It's confusing, and it's, it's something that comes up a lot. Okay. So does it prevent infection? Does it prevent COVID disease? Okay, so here's, here's what we know. Initially, um, when we were looking at the clinical trials, we knew that the vaccine was high. Let's, let's just take the mRNA vaccines for right now, just to avoid confusion. The mRNA vaccines were highly effective at preventing COVID disease, so anybody who had any symptoms. And what the clinical trials showed is about 94 to 95% effectiveness for both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine against COVID disease. So that's actual symptoms. But we didn't know early on whether or not these vaccines actually prevented SARS-CoV-2 infection. And remember that there are a lot of people who get infected with the virus who don't have any symptoms at all, probably about a third of people, if not more, maybe even 40 percent. So we didn't know that until there were additional studies that really um, were able to demonstrate that. And so as time went on, after the EUA um, authorization of these vaccines, more and more epidemiologic studies were done and laboratory-based studies to show that the vaccines were not only highly effective at preventing COVID in, uh, illness, but they were also highly effective at preventing SARS-CoV-2 infection. And so the rough percentage for preventing COVID illness is about 94 to 95%. And the rough percentage at preventing SARS-CoV-2 infection is just over 90%, 90-91%, something like that. And then when you look at prevention of hospitalization and death, then you're looking at the high 90s, like 97, 98 plus percent uh, effective at preventing, you know, real severe um, consequences. So hopefully that's helpful. And and also this morning, an article in USA Today reported that the Moderna vaccine was 93% effective in 12 to 17-year-olds after the first shot and 100% effective two weeks after the second shot. This is clearly great news. Is it surprising or is that expected in younger individuals who have a more robust immune system? 100% effective. Yeah. And, you know, when they say 100 percent, that basically means that as long as they followed these people, you know, they they started the clinical trial on day one and then they followed them for, you know, however many days. And by the end of that time period, none of those individuals got infected. It doesn't mean that the vaccine is going to be 100 percent effective, um, you know, over the long run. It just means during that time period, it was 100 percent effective for that age group, for that particular study that they did. I suspect what we'll find is that over time, um, you know, that 100 percent is going to drop back down closer to the 95 percent that we've seen for, um, you know, adults. We'll see. see. But that's that's sort of my guess on that. Okay, let's go back to the phones for a moment. Kyle is in the Copper River Basin. (laughs) Hi, Kyle. 
Hi, how's it going? Good. Did you have a question? Yeah, I wanted to know, as a younger person who's not concerned about catching COVID, um, and neither are those around me are, and I understand the main reason, one of the reasons being to get the vaccine for someone like me and my peers is that, well, there's other people who can't get the vaccine because of health concerns, so we should get the vaccine for them. But are there any other reasons why I should get the vaccine? And also, what percentage are those people out there that can't get the vaccine due to health concerns? And, and Kyle, can you describe for us why you're not concerned about getting COVID? I just, I guess I just don't think it's that deadly of a disease. I mean, all the people I know that have gotten it haven't gotten that sick. And they're, um, yeah, I mean, what, 1% of people die from it? That's not very high compared to... Oh, I don't know, other diseases that seem like a much higher mortality rate. But that's the main reason, I guess. I just don't think it's that bad of a sickness. So I don't, I'm not going to take time out of my day or whatever just to stick myself with a vaccine that came out nine months ago or was studied for nine months. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I'm not that concerned about it, essentially. Well, I'm so happy that you called in because we have the best people on uh, the line to make the case to you as to why it's important, Dr. Zink. Yeah, no, great, Kyle. Thanks for calling in. And I agree. I hear, you know, your comments and questions and concerns uh, regularly. A couple different things. First of all, if you get vaccinated, less likely that you'll spread it to others. So you may have kids that you care for, um, and it's miserable to see your kids get a fever or not be well. You may have elders that you care for as well. So you mentioned that comment about others in your life. You don't have to quarantine if you've been exposed. So I don't know what sort of job you have or if you're on a sports team or things like that. Basically, if you get vaccinated, it means you don't have to worry about this disease like other people do. So if you become a close contact, you're not asked to quarantine. You can keep working. You can keep doing your normal life and, like, let this move on. Three, finances. You know, even if you just get a high fever, if you're feeling really miserable, tons of vomiting. Again, I work in the emergency department. I see people your age all the time coming in, and they're just miserable, um, and they're just not feeling well. An ER visit can be expensive. A uh, visit to healthcare can be expensive. As mentioned, two out of three people who get COVID will end up seeing a healthcare provider in six months, uh, and the vaccine's free. So it's just a lot cheaper to get vaccinated rather than having to worry about healthcare costs later uh, and down the road uh, from that end. And then, you know, as Dr. Mulvachlan mentioned earlier, uh, most people, you know, particularly younger people, tend to have very mild or minimal symptoms, um, but, you know, have seen really young people have a heart attack and other complications later. And like the caller from Bethel mentioned, uh, it's really, almost every shift I work, I take care of someone who says, you know, I had other friends who didn't think this was a big deal. They were fine. How come I'm miserable? Or I meant to get vaccinated and uh, I just didn't get around to it and now I'm here. Um, so people aren't against vaccines. They just, you know, haven't gotten, gotten around to it. That's why we're trying to make it fun and easy um, and trying to also make it accessible because I just would hate to see you in the emergency department wishing that you had gotten it uh, overall. And this is really our way to get uh, out of this pandemic. This is our ticket. But Dr. McLaughlin, other things you did? Yeah, no, Kyle, really appreciate your honesty on this. And I think what you're saying is what a lot of people are feeling, especially folks who are kind of in younger adult age brackets. You know, they're not seeing a lot of their peers get really, really sick from COVID. It does happen. You know, I just was talking to, I was at a, a 
birthday party the other day, probably about a week ago, and somebody said uh, that they're aware of a you know a, a young like 19 year old athlete who wound up getting COVID and, and developed. Um, that person actually had mild COVID, but wound up developing developing chronic fatigue syndrome, and so now and it's been like months and it's a good day is when she can get out of bed feeling okay you know and and have enough energy to get out of bed so that kind of stuff does happen for sure um even in younger folks but you know so we talked about no quarantine also if you get sick you have to be in isolation for 10 days so you can't go to work and that's money out of your pocket and you're potentially you know it's, it's a drag to be in isolation for 10 days um, you can also travel domestically um, without any testing. So you can go down to lower 48 and all that kind of stuff, and you don't have to get tested. Um, and then I think the other thing is, you know, this is this is kind of particularly germane to you. There, and You might want to check this out. There was a study that just came out on April 22nd entitled, acute ischemic stroke during the convalescent phase of asymptomatic COVID-19 infection in men. And this came out of Singapore. And what they found is that um, there is a persistent increased risk for stroke in individuals who have had even asymptomatic uh, COVID-19. So they got SARS-CoV-2 infection and they didn't have any symptoms at all. Um, and this risk lasted months after their original diagnosis. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I'm just seeing, Kyle, every week so many new studies coming out about long-term effects of SARS-CoV-2 infection and COVID and now even affecting young, healthy people who have had no symptoms at all during the acute, you know, infection. Absolutely. So Yep, tons of reasons. Yeah, and thank you, Kyle. Uh, I appreciate that you called in to talk with the experts that are on hand, and hopefully we've uh, convinced you, the doctors have convinced you, that it's a good idea to get that free shot and just be safe and not have to worry about it or think about it anymore. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue in our final moments of Talk of Alaska with Dr. Ann Zink and Dr. Joe McLaughlin as we continue our conversation on getting vaccinated over the summer. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. If you're hurting in your relationship or have been affected by sexual violence, Strong Hearts Native Helpline is a free 24-7 confidential and anonymous domestic dating and sexual violence helpline for Alaska Natives. Help is available by calling or texting 1-844-762-8483 or using the chat now icon at strongheartshelpline.org. This message sponsored by the National Indigenous Women's Resource Center. Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. Uh, Dr. Zink, some people won't get vaccinated because they can't. And um, it'd be good to have a little more discussion about some of the reasons why people can't get the shot and how that makes others being vaccinated even more important to protect those vulnerable individuals. And this is probably a smaller subset of people, those who have had organ transplants. But NPR reported this month that people who have had these surgeries and got the vaccination did not get antibodies. 46% of transplant plant patients have had no evidence whatsoever that they had antibody response to the vaccine. 
But the story noted that a third booster shot of a different type of vaccine may help. What can you tell us about the latest information here? And does it mainly come down to the drugs that these recipients need to be on? For instance, people who are affected by rheumatoid arthritis um, get less benefit from the vaccine because of the immune suppression drugs that they need to take. Is, Is that the case? Yeah, so great question. First of all, there are very few people who cannot get these vaccines. Uh, so even people who are immunocompromised, on immunosuppressive medication, undergoing cancer treatment, uh, bad allergic reactions to food or other medications can all get these vaccines. The only people who can't are really essentially people who have had an anaphylactic, a really bad shortness of breath, rash sort of reaction to this vaccine or a similar injectable vaccine. And so if that's the case with you, you know, talking to your primary care provider, but these are not live virus vaccines. Uh, so even people who are immunocompromised can safely get these vaccines and are encouraged to do so. Uh, and that's also the reason that, you know, pregnant women are encouraged uh, to consider getting vaccinated as well. When your immune system is pushed down uh, because you're on immunosuppressive medication, because you're undergoing chemotherapy, you're more susceptible to all sorts of infections, uh, bacterial infections, viral infections, what we call opportunistic infections, infections that don't normally affect humans very much, but can really affect you when your immune system uh, is depressed. And so you have to be more cautious about your health in general. And the same happens with the, the COVID vaccine. You may not develop as robust of a response, and so you are more susceptible to COVID as well as other things. And that's why if you're immunosuppressed, you need to be you know, really doing what you can to come up with other ways to protect your, your health because you don't have that same strength that immune system. These vaccines essentially just teach your immune system to be strong and robust and to take down this virus. Right. But if your immune system is compromised for some other reason, you may need to take additional measures uh, like wearing personal protective gear to protect yourself or minimizing exposures. All right, let's go back to the phones really quickly. Judy is in Haynes. Hi, Judy. Hi, how are you? We're good. Only got a couple minutes here. What, what can we help you with today? Well, I just I kind of wanted to speak to some of the anti-vaxxers, which I have been for a long time. I think my last vaccine was in 1965, and I didn't vaccinate my children due to uh, adverse reaction one of them had. Um, but now I have a daughter who's a nurse, and she kind of runs the clinic. Another one's a scientist and did a lot of research. Um, and since it's a different type of vaccine, I kind of re- uh, considered everything. I also work in a school district. We're the only one that's been open all year, so the mitigations work. Um, they keep kids in school, and they keep kids safe. Um, luckily, our little wrestler in Ketchikan didn't get COVID because he went on to become the state champion. So I have had both of I have had both of my vaccines, the Moderna. I had one daughter and her husband at Thanksgiving. Twelve out of fifteen kids at a party, got sick, and she was very sick mm. for over a week. Um, and if my other daughter gets sick, her, her job is deal, deals with tasting and smelling. She's, she works in the coffee industry. So I don't know. I just want to give some people some encouragement to, to change your mind about it and try it. And I mean, I, I did have one day... On my second one, I had to go home and go to bed, mm-hmm. but it was gone within 24 hours. You know, you just kind of feel like you have the flu. Yeah. But you wake up the next day, and it's like, okay, hey, wow, I'm, it's over. I'm gone. It's, it's. Uh, yes. And, and my my partner didn't have that reaction, so 
Um, I don't know. I well, changed my mind, and uh, I'm not a total vaccination person. I don't really want to start getting a bunch of have to have boosters all the time or anything, but it does it does make things easier. And thank you. Thank you, Judy, so much for the call and uh, that great plea for other people who may have been hesitating, but uh, go ahead and get that vaccination, as Judy did, because it's important for everyone, for your family, for your neighbors, for your state. And as she noted, you might have some side effects. I did after the second shot, but even though I felt kind of crummy for a few hours, I kept telling myself, yeah, it's just side effects from the vaccine. I don't have COVID. And that was a great comfort for me. In our final minute here, Dr. McLaughlin, what can you tell us about um, variants that are in Alaska, how effective the vaccines are against them? And is there a concern that if vaccination rates lag and the virus keeps circulating, that there could be more and possibly more deadly variants forming? Great. Thank you. And I'll try and be quick on this. Yeah. Um, really appreciate the question. Yeah. So we are seeing uh, the variants of concern here in Alaska. Fortunately, the proportion of uh, positives for these variants of concern in Alaska is much lower than we're seeing in the lower 48. But the predominant strain that we've been seeing is the B117 that uh, emerged out of the UK. We have seen some cases of the P1 variant out of Brazil and some uh, cases of the B1351. Um, out of uh, South Africa as well. But again, not high numbers. Right now in the lower 48, or actually in the United States, CDC has reported out about about three quarters of all the um, these, the uh, strains that have been sequenced have been the B117. So that has now become the predominant strain in the U.S. Fortunately, the vaccines that we have in the U.S. are all very uh, highly effective against uh, especially the B117 strain. Okay. And, um, and so they're very protective, but they're also protective against the B1351 and the P1. So uh, the vaccines will do a good job against these variants overall. All right. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much to You're Dr. Welcome. Ann Zink and to Dr. Joe McLaughlin. Uh, Dr. Ann Zink, this state's chief medical officer and Dr. McLaughlin, the state epidemiologist. That's it for today's program. Thanks to Tobin Shelby, our engineer, and Adlin Baxter, our producer, and also Abby Collins on the phones and social media today. I'm Lori Townsend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Talk of Alaska is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Today's program is available online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media. Alaska Public Media.